Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the CEO Story. We've got Clint Rungi, who is the founder of our, our tribal. How are you doing, Clint? Doing great. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. And I butchered the name, so my apologies there. Uh, can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself and the company? You bet. Sure. Yeah. Hi. So my name is Clint Rungi, the founder and managing director of Arch Rival. Arch Rival is a youth culture agency that reinvents how brands win the hearts and minds of young adults. Uh, I always like to say that brands come to us when they want to go against the grain of traditional marketing to build brand love, loyalty, and sales with teens to 20-somethings. We got two different types of clients. We got these super cool clients like Red Bull and Adidas and Spotify brands that for the most part, people know, people love, but... Um, need to stay constantly relevant and we help them understand the changes in culture so that they can build the product services marketing uh, to keep them there. We have a second type of client. It's usually somebody not as cool per se, but really wants to engage young adults in some fashion. So, you know, wherever they are today, make them more relevant tomorrow. This usually takes a bit of a journey. So I've been doing this thing for a, a while, uh, 23 years. Uh, wow. So um, we started and uh, still here and kicking it and uh, loving it. Great. So let, let's kind of dig into it. You mentioned a lot of amazing stuff there. So just start with some of this client list. So we're looking at Red Bull, Adidas, Hollister, Abercrombie, Spotify, Yeti, and the list just keeps going on. So these are some fantastic brands, which you wouldn't necessarily think would hunt out a company based in Lincoln, Nebraska. So that instantly totally. makes me think that there's something special about what you guys do and what you've created. So can we kind of just rewind 23 plus years? Yeah. And where did it all start? How did it kind of come about? And then we can unravel it from there. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think, I think it's an interesting story. But 20, 23 years ago, I was in college. Um, and I was uh, going through the School of Architecture, actually. And at that time, I was looking, I was forecasting, like, where's the future of architecture going? And um, it was a real top-down type of industry. And I realized if you ever wanted to do anything meaningful in architecture, design something truly meaningful, you'd have to wait 20 years to get the experience, uh, work through the systems, work your way up to the, to the points where you're getting those kind of projects that have, you know, maybe cultural value. And being young, totally naive, I'm sure you have listeners who can relate to this. It's like, I want to do it now. I want to move. I want to do things. And, Especially in the um, world I want it right now. Yes. <laughs> totally. So uh, true today, true then. And uh, so um, I thought, well, maybe, you know, like if I wanted to do, be creative and do design work and culture type work, maybe advertising is a better place. So I got a degree in advertising at the same time, realized that um, it, it, it's, it's uh, maybe the same sort of way. Um, so there's still a top down society where you got to work your way up a ladder to do something meaningful. So I just stopped and said, well, I, I think I'll just do my own thing then. And um, that's where our tribal was born. And from day one, it was this go against the grain mentality um, from where we were located. You mentioned Lincoln, Nebraska. It's kind of like a weird, odd, unexpected place to be, mm -hmm. to do, to have that sort of vision. Um, and we can talk more about that as well. Uh, but that's, that's really where it started was uh, coming out of school and said, let's just do it here and uh, we'll do it our way and, and make our way up. It, it, of course, it, you spend your first, I, I spent the first five years just figuring out, well, what does that mean? And am I any good at it? And of course, you're not nearly as talented as you think you are. And you realize how big the world is and how, how vastly talented there are so many people out there doing such great things. And, and I just soaked it all up. 
and I tried to take the best of everyone I ever met and just like learn from them. And after about five years, got to a point where there was um, we we had just all everything that we had ever been working on. Um, we were getting published in in these creative magazines and advertising uh, magazines. Our work was super cool and super different. We so were when making, you say you were published, is that your company or your clients were getting published? The work that we were doing for our clients was getting published in industry magazines on advertising. I got to tell you, it was super cool. But you know, again, I I know you're interested in like the real dirt. We were making no money. Okay, like super cool looking shop, no money. Uh, you know, um, barely, you know, living still like college students. And, um, but the work was really good. And so the product was there. Um, and um, that caught the attention of uh, Red Bull um, in about 2005. And um, they were working, trying to get that energy drink market here in the United States, uh, which is crazy to think about. But there was a time when they were like trying to fight and create that industry, which is now incredibly robust. Yeah. Um, but uh, so they had to establish that and we helped them understand American culture and how the how energy drinks could work here and that relationship just blossomed I mean we it's like I tell people it's the first time I fell in love it's like everything that Red Bull ever wanted to do in the world is everything that we had ever aspired to do and it was a marriage um well, that's still let's, today let's, going let's great break that down then so what I'm hearing is you guys are pumping out some really high quality stuff regardless of not making any money so the business side <laughs> of it's not quite there yet the actual product itself is being recognized and the word is out that you guys are pretty good. And then how do you just go from that to landing Red Bull? It's like, wow, that's like a huge client. You know, it was, it was, they had seen us in these publications. They knew that they needed um, someone to help them. And we had just, um, you know, when you're young you, you, and, and you're just trying to figure everything out, you do anything for anybody because you're hungry. We're yeah. literally starving artists. And so any job will take. And <clears throat> we were advised at the time that, you know, and I'm sure your listeners are, are pretty astute in this, but, you know, having some specialty, having a focus on something is going to take you a lot further in life um, than just saying, we'll do anything. And at that time, being young was a real detriment to our our abilities. Um, no one wants to hire broke college kids who don't know anything. And, you know, plus we're based here in Lincoln, Nebraska, like all these things were working against us. And we thought, well, if our age is our biggest detriment, how do we turn that into a opportunity for us? So we said, well, being young um, means we have no experience, but it does mean that we have a perspective on this generation of young adults and on culture that most agencies don't. And so we said, let's embrace this rather than run from it and hide from it and pretend we're older than we are let's just embrace the fact that we understand teens and 20 somethings far better. And we believe this and we knew this, like it's innately because we were young and we were younger as agency owners than, than most um, who are in their you know forties and fifties. Let's embrace it. And that happened to be, we did that. we made that decision three months um, <clears throat> prior to Red Bull, you know, essentially coming online and looking at the publications, going to our website and saying, Oh, Hey, that's exactly what we need. Someone in the U S who understands American teens. And boom, that's where uh, we got the invite. And I say, we, we sat down, talked to him for 90 minutes and it was like in love. Got it. So let me chunk that down then. So the first one is obviously produce really good content. You've got to be good at what you do because if you're not, it's not going to go anywhere. The second one is bid on everything because some people would hear Red Bull and they would be like, oh, this is way too big for us. Psych themselves out. 
and kind of not really be able to step up to that. But three is uh, pick a niche and really specialize, double down in an area which, which you control and you own and you, you can kind of stand by that. That's your, your own identity, let's call mm-hmm. it. Does that sound yeah. about right? Oh, that, that, that's great. And you know, the, the idea of work, you know, again, we're a small agent, you know, we're just teens. We don't, we're young adults. We don't know what, we don't fully feel like we know what we're doing. And when Red Bull calls, there is a panic moment where it's like, are we ready for the moment? And um, we were, we didn't maybe believe we were, but after that meeting, the confidence was there. And uh, once you're good enough for Red Bull, it's like, you're good enough for anyone at that point. Absolutely. That kind of sets the yardstick. And now it's like, any company we can work with because yeah. we're going to crush it with Red Bull. And it's such exactly. a huge brand and they do so much. So to kind of have that association um, is a lot of authority in the market, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they're, and they're amazing marketers themselves. I mean, they don't, they, I mean, just the organization is an incredible, you know, has a high level of, of excellence associated with it. And so to be honest, we learned a lot from them. We gave them, you know, it was just this great back and forth that over the next five years really, we grew as, um, as marketers and really understanding how to do this well. Fantastic. So while, while we're still talking about big companies, let's talk about the others that then rolled in after that and how that happened and what was different or what could have been better with the likes of Adidas, Spotify, Yeti, and so on and so on. If you can take yeah. us through some of the highlights and the lowlights of, uh, of that. Yeah, well, the the Red Bull relationship blossomed for a long time, and that was the ton of our focus. And as I said, soon soon people are like, "Hey, who's doing that stuff with like Red Bull's killing it? Who's doing all that stuff with them?" And um, we were we were a key partner. I mean, they have multiple people they work with, um, <clears throat> and internally they're amazing. So we started um, getting hit up by others that said, "Hey, the philosophy in which you guys are approaching Red Bull, we need that ourselves." And um, Adidas is is a prime example. In two thousand. 12, 2013, they were actually, they were getting beat up pretty good. Under Armour had come onto the scene, um, had actually surpassed them and, and taken the number two rank as, as sportswear in wow. the US, um, which, you know, it's just like, it's a crazy thing about now, but that's like where they were as a company. And they said, we need to reinvent ourselves. We had to get like back up. And we had developed this, this philosophy of, of a bottom up mentality. You have so many organizations that have, uh, are making decisions up here. They're in this uh, boardroom, um, you know, and, and with really smart people, but they're a bit out of focus on what's actually happening on the ground. And what we had done with Red Bull is create a bottom-up organization, which is like, hey, what are the actual things that are moving the needle to, for people to consume energy drinks or make decisions um, on how they want to spend their time? And the, when, when you have that kind of information, it actually makes decisions a lot easier. And we said, well, what's happening is Adidas is making all these design decisions. They're making uh, marketing decisions. All that, like everything's up here and none of it's down here. And I think a well, we, we had a belief that if you would build yourself from the bottom up culturally, uh, you'll see a significant win. And that's, that's what we did with them. So that's, that means going out and um, winning over literally person by person, the influencers and culture tastemakers that, when you get them to believe in your brand, they have a ripple effect that goes beyond what any advertising could ever do. Yeah, and I've definitely seen a big change in that regard because you look at Adidas and they're, they're now coming into the forefront of technology. I'm a huge technology guy and <laughs> Adidas is one of the first companies to come out with 3D printed shoe. 
Oh, yeah. recycled plastic shoe like from ocean plastic and it's like yeah. doing all these creative things that sit well with millennials and younger people and people will pay the extra money because it's marketed well totally right and and if you say so again it's like what your, your list before you got to have the product right and they did they did a great job reinventing themselves on that and then you got to tell that story really really well and that's what we do um, bottom up tell that story and win over the right people uh, to believe in that. So for example, like actually this is a, I don't know if you see the camera, this is a boost ball. This is a 2013 Adidas came out with boost and boost is an amazing product. It revolutionized, um, running wear. The sole and, of the shoe, right? For those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and we, we basically came out and became preachers of boost and said, try it. It will change your life. If you can get people to wear it, they'll feel the difference. Uh, and they will then you know, essentially buy product. And so it's just our job to get that seeded into culture as much as possible. Fantastic. So, so that's good with two huge companies that sell physical products. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about Spotify because this is a different challenge, which is a SaaS music platform. How, how did that come about and how did kind of your mentality or the approach change when you're selling a subscription versus a physical product? So I have this really strong cultural belief about what I call the new trust and I kind of go around and I do these talks about culture and then and then when I talk about the new trust I, I really focus on on two aspects of that that who do we trust in society today to teach us about new brands we want to learn about a new brand do I trust advertising well actually it's it's pretty bad it's like 16% of people would tell you they actually trust advertising we know it's all curated garbage and you know maybe our our uh, grandfathers or you know parents or somebody would believe in advertising but we know it's kind of all a trick essentially you can look at a mcdonald's advert to show you that this big big mac that looks perfect with the fries and then you get it and it's like what is this we we, we get it right and so we're, we're really savvy consumers of advertising so it's like it doesn't really affect us um as much uh however who do we actually trust when learning about a new brand well industry experts uh, people like me, which means uh, someone who reflects who I am and the things I believe as a consumer, um, and uh, and my personal experiences with it, with with a brand. So these are all all things and how people actually make decisions about a product they want to buy, or a service they want to buy, or a nonprofit that they want to donate to, or a politician they want to vote for. Like you can apply this to anything. And so what we've done as our agency is really focus on the, the sources, on, on influencing the sources where people get their trust. And you, you have to be authentic, authentic about it. It's, it's not a, a, you know, a behind the scenes shady thing. It's a real, you know, put up front what you should doing. But if you convince the right people, and the same thing works for Spotify, who is up against, uh, you know, Amazon Music and iTunes, Apple iTunes, like there's some big competitors there. Yet Spotify has found a niche of people who believe so passionately in their product that it's such a, a, a better um, product that you know they're willing to spend the money for it even though other products might be might be free so same thing with them create a bottom-up organization a bottom-up platform for them to uh, to spread the word on really how on how great the actual uh, service works got it so if I'm repackaging or reframing that into like a small chunk I would say figure out who the authority figure is and win them over. And then that will bring everything, everyone else in line. Exactly. Got it. Now that makes a lot of sense. And it kind of puts you in touch with who the end consumer really is. And I think a lot of companies have that problem that you highlighted where 
the higher up the chain you go, the more senior and seasoned the people become and therefore sometimes also more out of touch with who's actually consuming the product. And that's across multiple industries, not just one or two. It's it's a problem we all have, right? It's like you 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 know you get really good, you know something really well, and then pretty soon you become more managerial. You start making manager decisions, but at some point you lo- there's a gap, and the things in which you based all your knowledge on starts to date itself, and that's really where our travels value is is helping them to to bridge that gap. So in terms of that, and I know you mentioned knocking this down one person at a time. Do you do like focus groups or what kind of things do you guys do differently to really hear the voice of that end consumer, figure out what they really want and then how to repackage or remarket the product that you're selling? It, I mean, it comes through in a lot of different ways, but I'll give you an example of something just recently. Um, obviously, there's been a, a really you know, strong cultural change with, with social justice um, issues and a lot of the brands are just not in tune with how passionate young adults actually are on, on, on subjects. And so um, because we have such, you know, these agents that are, are passionate about the brand already, they want to make sure that they're heard at the very top. They understand um, what's happening amongst their peer groups and their generation. And so it's as simple. I mean, sometimes it's as simple as like just pulling them together on a zoom like this and saying, Hey, get the, get the CF, get the CEO. And, and you know, these people who are literally, in, in the trenches, um, in the target audiences that they want to be and just put them on a Zoom call together and let them talk. And we've done that for several of our brands. And it's just been like, it's really enlightening when you can just listen to your consumers talk about and recommend what you should be doing. Of course, they don't know everything. You know, there's a lot of things to balance when you're, you're, you're you know, running a, a major organization. But it is eye-opening at the same time. And it makes you rethink, oh, we should be approaching certain topics uh, differently. So it looks a lot of different ways. And that's just one way, of course. No, that's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about culture and the ripple effect on advertising. How did you go about initially, like you said, straight out of college, and then the company started growing over a number of years. You're past, what, 100 plus people now in multiple offices, locations. How did you create the culture and then keep that culture as you continue to grow? I, I think that something we have done very well is understanding that in the same way culture does is not defined from the top down, which is like, and I, I've seen organizations do that, which is like, all right, we're going to make up who we are and we're going to be about transparency and we're going to be about, you know, X, Y, Z values. And when you try to take, try to create those values and apply it to your teams, it's so inauthentic. Culture is simply the, the collection of people that you have working for you and their shared beliefs, right? And you can guide it. I believe you can, you know, steer it and um, spark it. But for the most part, it's always changing. And it's based on the people that you have and what they actually cherish and believe. So I think one thing we've done really well is just constantly is be okay with the culture evolving and changing. Um, Not be rigid on any one thing and say, it's this and it's this forever. Of course, there are some tried and true principles that will always remain because of the types of people that we hire, obviously, you know, where we're looking for things, but we let everything else change and evolve. And that gives people the freedom to feel like they belong, um, to have an impact. And, you know, on top of getting, uh, you know, you want to get a good salary, but what you really want to do is feel like you have a home, you have a place that you matter and you're important and you do could be the best version of yourself. And I think that's something we've tried really hard to be conscious of, of not of controlling and of not trying to over control it, but let it blossom in the right ways. No, it makes a lot of sense. And 
talking about the future of marketing, what do you see? What do you see that being with so many technologies coming out and platforms and things changing quicker and quicker every day, it seems. How do you see that playing out? Got to embrace the change, first of all. You can't run from it. Got to embrace the change. Best organizations embrace it. They don't run from it. They're not fearful of it. And uh, they take advantage of the moments when they are presented to them. Um, that said, I think that you can't lose the you with all the tech, we can't also lose the value of human connection. So it, it's actually been really interesting. The studies we've been doing um, and talking to this generation in this moment, you think that everyone's like perfectly set up to you know, shop online and text their friends. I don't need to see people. And so we got to social distance and not see anybody and, you know, just remove ourselves from events. But actually when you talk to people inside, they're willing to do it and they're able to do it. But inside they miss people. They miss people. They miss the value of that connection. I think that's actually going to become more and more cherished that if organizations can help facilitate it, help be a part of it, help make it special. Um, there is a huge opportunity there. And that's, you know, that's what we try to do with our brands is get them into those really important um, moments, those big moments uh, where they can have recognition. So I think you've got to embrace all the tech. I think also what the future of marketing is to figure out how to also stay human at the same time, not lose the values that made you who you are. Yeah, I think uh, that makes a lot of sense, especially to a firm like mine. You know, we're a remote firm and most of our work is done like over virtual calls just like this one um, but not being able to go see clients and be in offices is being like a big drag and didn't really realize the importance of that or how much I enjoy doing that in person versus yeah. just over how, like a zoom can I ask you a question how are you how are you overcoming that like are you just how are you able to overcome it like what are some of the strategies you've been doing to try to still make you know people connections um, meeting in smaller groups. So for ah. instance, I'll go play golf or tennis and meet with the people that I would have in an office, but just in an outdoor environment. I love that. Yeah. We should be doing more of that. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, I think it's more on the social side than the business side, but just still having that human interaction with someone other than my wife, like locked <laughs> up in our house. It's not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong, but I need yeah. more stimulation. So that's how I've kind of figured out how I can get a, a better balance of the two. Yeah. Well, and the social stuff leads the business too. I mean, that it's all, it's all interconnected, you know, relationships are everything they always have been. Um, so I, I think that's a, a pretty smart play actually. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm glad I got the seal of approval there. Yeah. Doing something right. I'm going to take your advice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So as we wrap up, I'd like to end with one question. So the question is, if you had to apportion or attribute your success between three factors, how would you do that? So the three factors are drive, skill, and luck. And can you rank them in importance and kind of out of 100? Yeah, I'm going to take drive as being my number one. And let's, let's go ahead and give that a, uh, a, a 70%. I think, I think those that hustle those that are passionate, motivated, and you can apply this to any industry, you can put it in ours, you can put it in yours, you could put it into a plumbing industry. Those that hustle, um, I think become more skilled over time. And I think that people are naturally drawn to those type of individuals or businesses. So I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put the drive as number one. And I, 
maybe it's because I think that's true of, of myself and our tribal as well. I mean, we're here in Lincoln, Nebraska. We have no business doing work with these organizations that you listed. There's talented people literally blocks away from them, but yet somehow we're here. And I think you asked what that like intangible was. I think it's the hustle and the drive. Like we will go the extra to that extra point because we have to, and, um, and we want to, and it's just in our DNA. So I think people who reflect that rise to the top. The second one I would put uh, is going to be the skill. Uh, you also talked about this, but it's like, it's kind of table stakes at some level. I think you will get better over time if you have drive. And then at some point, the skills just like equal out. It's like a great equalizer. You're just, you're, if you're good enough, you're good enough. And now it becomes something else of why I hire you or why, you know, we engage. Um, and so I think once we got to that point ourselves, it, the fact that we we're from Lincoln, Nebraska didn't matter because the work we're doing is good to someone in New York or it's good to someone in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you, you know, you got to get there, but I, I put that second, maybe I only give that like 20%. And then my last one's going to be luck. Now I actually um, feel very lucky. Uh, you know, if I'm being honest, like I feel like somehow the universe has allowed us to succeed in some ways. And there's a, a lot of ways you could attribute that. But I also, I, I, I've all, I've also learned that I think you put yourself in a position to get lucky. And, um, you know, people have said that over time and I, it's, it's, it's rung more and more true to me that sometimes I'm like, how did we do this? How did we get this thing to happen this project? Oh, well, you know, that seed was planted five years ago because of something you spoke at or something you did or something you were willing to do and make this relationship. The luck plays out. And I think it's pretty important, but I think it, it stems from the drive and the hustle. Even if you can't make the full connection, somehow it's connected. So I'll, I'll just give 10, 10% to the luck. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I always think the harder I work, the luckier I get. Um, so that's pretty <laughs> much in line with what you just said. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much, Clint, for sharing those nuggets. It's been fantastic listening to you and learning from you. Uh, we wish yep. you all the best and we'll put the, uh, the links down below so people can contact you uh, and check out your website. Great. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for hosting uh, an awesome podcast like this. All right, cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.